This is Autism Points of View by Autism Speaks. I'm Felipe Maya. In this episode, we'll be talking about the safety and effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines with Dr. Stephen Morris. I am Stephen Morris. I'm a faculty infectious disease physician, adult infectious disease physician at the University of Miami. And I practice at the University of Miami Hospital and Jackson Memorial Hospital. And I'm also a a father of, of two girls, one of which has autism. She was diagnosed a little less than a year ago, but I think we had, you know, some concerns with speech delay and and things for a few months before that. And, you know, it was really once we started getting her engaged with speech and occupational therapy that some of the behavioral, uh, you know, features of the disorder started to come out and then we got the diagnosis. But, you know, we've been through many of the, the same hurdles that everyone on this podcast who's listening to this podcast has been through. And so to everybody out there, you know, I know it's hard, but keep doing what you're doing. You know, your, your kids will remember it the rest of their lives. Dr. Morris is involved in the clinical trials for the Moderna COVID vaccine and says he wants to help spread accurate and important information about the vaccines to the autism community as an expert and as a parent. Didn't receive any compensation for this activity. Um, I, you know, I, I received some support from the clinical trial with Moderna that I was involved in, but you know, I didn't get any of the money. It was all to my my hospital so that I could be redirected from my usual clinical duties to help the trial. So, um, you know, I really sort of stand behind how I feel about this without any influence. So, you know, what I'll tell you is how exactly I feel after reviewing all of the data. And it's not how, you know, the official policy of, of UM or Jackson or anywhere else, but I don't think any of my colleagues who have reviewed everything would disagree with me. Um, you know, I'm pre- preliminarily a adult infectious disease specialist, but I think with my involvement with the with the trials and with the COVID prevention network, you know, I feel qualified to review the pediatric data, which I've done and, and really give you guys uh, my opinions. Dr. Morris's main message is that getting the vaccine will keep yourself and those around you safe from COVID's major symptoms. Well, I think the first thing I, I want to say as sort of a, a public service announcement is that, you know, we are in the year 2022 and nobody needs to suffer with getting, you know, being sick with COVID and nobody needs to face tough choices about whether or not to get themselves or their kids vaccinated alone. And your healthcare providers always stand ready to discuss with you your individual concerns and help discuss the the data and how it may impact your decision. So, you know, yes, it's easy to access a lot of information on the internet, but we are always here to help you distill all that and really talk to you about your concerns. Um, I think the main thing is that, you know, I don't tend to focus on do this to make the community a healthier place. I, I believe in that myself, but I know people want to protect themselves and their kids more than anything. And so what I would say is, you know, getting the vaccine will help protect your kid from getting sick and missing school and you may be missing work. It will prevent them from being hospitalized and, and you know, being admitted for a ventilator and, 
and you know the death compared to not getting the vaccine and as i said importantly it'll prevent you from complications of prolonged um, symptoms you know there's adults that i've seen who still are barely able to walk or are unable to do anything beyond you know being at rest no exercise at all because of their prolonged symptoms and that's happened even in people with mild infection dr morris says that while the vaccine may not prevent you from getting covid 19 it can protect you from severe symptoms that could lead to hospitalization. It's really staggering the how effective these vaccines are at preventing people from being sick enough to get admitted to the hospital, and especially if anything worse than that. They looked at about 400, CDC looked at about 400 kids in the 5 to 11 group that were hospitalized during Omicron. This was the wave just after sort of these kids became eligible. And of all the kids that were admitted, 87% were unvaccinated. Uh, you know, at least a third had no underlying medical conditions and almost one out of five kids who came into the hospital had to go to the intensive care unit. So they, they are still getting sick, even kids that have no previous, you know, um, health condition, but much more likely to get admitted if you're um, unvaccinated. And so, you know, you can really see the, the excellent protection from this. With all the news about the various COVID-19 variants, Dr. Morris assures that the vaccines are effective against the new variants. People sometimes scratch their heads and say, well, I'm reading about all these terrible percentage protection rates of these vaccines against the new viruses. How, how does this work? And so I think, you know, it, it's it's important to talk about that. And I think that's maybe a myth that we haven't talked about yet is that the vaccines that were made 2020 don't protect against the new viruses. Um, all of the percentages that you see, you have to take for a grain of salt because it all depends when the study was happening. We know that the newer, the viruses that are Omicron and later is sort of the 2022 COVID, um, they tend to evade antibodies from previous infection or vaccination. And uh, also, at least for adults, you know, there's this waning of immunity that happens over time and that's why, you know, with all this in mind, people who are studying and, and tracking COVID and, and the vaccines have really focused the goal more on preventing hospitalizations and deaths. Um, some might say there's really only one good way to prevent getting infected, and that's with social distancing and masking. But, you know, we all know life must go on. No one's perfect. Our kids go to school with other kids, and, you know, we all know what that means. And, you know, the most important thing is that from all of the data, including the recent variants, the ability of people to mount a protective response with the cells of their immune system, some, you know, certain types of white blood cells that recognize infection remains excellent. You know, even when our immune system was exposed to the older viruses or the vaccines based on the older viruses. And so it's these white blood cells that really prevent you from being sick even if you get infected because they sort of call defenses to the lungs where they circulate to you know even if the virus gets in you know to our nose and mouth and so you know if you get the vaccine even if you're you're getting a vaccine based on an older virus you know you should feel pretty good about the protection that you or, or your kids have from severe disease um, because their immune system has been taught how to recognize it and how to deal with it quickly 
In 2021, Autism Speaks ran a two-week rapid needs assessment in Florida to find out why autistic communities were hesitant to get the COVID vaccine. And it found that the primary reason for being hesitant was the myth that the vaccines were rushed and thus not safe. Yes, they just started development in January 2020, but the technology has been studied for over a decade uh, with some older, you know, not older, but viruses that have been studied longer, like HIV, Ebola, um, MERS. I mean, we've used this technology to study it for a long time. And so, you know, in the case of the, the trials, you know, the federal government stepped in and really got rid of a few of the roadblocks. The first was which they sort of guaranteed the funding upfront for all of these companies who are developing the vaccine to really start planning and funding and getting all phases of the trial ready to go so that there was no delay from one to the next. And then they coordinated, you know, all of the outcomes that we measured and the oversight, you know, both with the FDA and with independent observers. Um, so that as soon as we got through that period of time when almost all of the bad things that could happen did, that if all of the safety data was reviewed and, and favorable, that we could start the next phase, you know, the phase two or the phase three trial while we were still collecting data on, you know, preventing infections and hospitalizations and, and, and also for safety events, you know, from the initial studies. And so this overlapping period, it really doesn't collect any less follow-up, you know, data about bad things happening or good things happening. It just does it in a way that maybe gets to the finish line a little bit sooner. The other reasons participants reported hesitancy in getting the vaccine was that they did not trust the government or the vaccines. There is so much misinformation online about COVID and the vaccines. Dr. Morris brought up the myth that the vaccines can change a person's DNA. So we can say with confidence that it's safe and that it doesn't change people's DNA. Um, you know, tens of thousands of maybe even hundreds of thousands of people have been involved in these trials. And this type of vaccine, the mRNA, had been studied for over a decade. No evidence of this has ever been found. And on a very basic biology level, the human body doesn't really have the capacity to convert RNA um, back to DNA, which your body sort of stores as the blueprint for genetic information. And we can't, you know, take the RNA from the vaccine and it can't be inserted into your DNA. But because of the intense public concern, um, they did more studies, you know, both in, in uh, you know, the Petri dish and, you know, in studying real patients. And there's not been any evidence in many people studied that these vaccines um, can change people's DNA. So that shouldn't be a concern. I know the concern is that they don't trust the trials and, they, and people don't trust a lot of things. But I hope that, again, no matter what our ideological differences are between me and anyone else who's listening, that we would all have one commonality, which is that we would always want the best for our kids. And we would never do anything that would be more likely or even reasonably likely to harm them, but rather to protect them. And so putting all this together with you know, what I've been trained to do and looking at all the data, you know, the choice was clear and still is clear to me um, that vaccination is, is the right move, um, both for their current health and their future health. Dr. Morris made sure to explain that the pandemic is not over 
and COVID hasn't gone away and likely won't anytime soon. There are still many cases in the U.S. Many of these cases are being recorded, but many aren't. I think one major myth that I think we need to dispel right away, which maybe is getting slightly more media attention now than in previous weeks or months, is, you know, COVID is really not gone. And it's really still very much here and it still affects kids, you know, in, in looking at things for this podcast, you know, they've diagnosed almost 14 million cases in kids and it's now almost 20% of all the cases are kids. And that includes like 68,000 cases in the last week. And I think everyone can agree this is probably a huge undercounting, right? Because everybody who's doing a home rapid test you know, it's up to that person to report it to the health department, which hardly anybody ever does. So, you know, we're talking about a lot of missed school and work days and, and worse. So it's still very much here. And I could tell you that um, you do not want your kids to have this illness. Um, they may have temporary symptoms from the vaccine, but getting these kids through the real thing is they are miserable. And especially the ones who have trouble expressing themselves or, you know, controlling their impulses, controlling the behavior, it's, it's tough. And I would not wish that on any, any parents. So, you know, definitely keep that in mind. Dr. Morris made sure to talk about how when someone gets COVID, there is a high chance it can spread to others in their household and beyond, especially with autistic children who may have a whole network of support professionals. I think about our fearless therapists who work so closely with our kids. Um, you know, we have a speech therapists, occupational therapists, and then at, at the center where my child goes, she gets sort of a rotating group of, um, you know, BCBAs and other therapists. And, you know, they're also taking care of other kids. So you can see the potential of, ex of exposure. And so I think, you know, Kid, and then there's kids in general going to school. I mean, I think it's it's going to be nearly impossible for for parents of school age children or, or school age children themselves to avoid the virus, and particularly because we have that close contact, prolonged you know um, interactions with the therapists. I think it's important, you know, both both as far as protecting our kids, but also our therapists and the, and the kids that they that they help. I think it's very important. I'd like to thank Dr. Morris for being a part of this episode, and thank you for listening to this episode of Autism Points of View. To get resources related to this episode, visit our website at autismspeaks.org podcast. And make sure to subscribe to Autism Points of View wherever you listen to podcasts to get new episodes as soon as they're available. This episode was written and produced by myself and Vijay Vasudevan and edited by Justin Proper. I'm Felipe Maya. Thanks for listening. <laughs>